Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast, where our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Nicole Phillips, an intern for the Sugar Science and your host for today's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Bridge. Jennifer is a postdoctoral scholar studying type 1 diabetes. Jennifer is currently working in the Bluestone and Anderson Lab at UCSF. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being a part of our podcast today. I can't wait to learn more about your research, and I'm very excited you took the time today to be here with us. No problems at all. It's exciting to always talk to someone new about what we're doing in the lab, and I think that uh, most of my friends are sick of me trying to explain to them what I'm doing. (laughs) So it's always nice when there's an audience that's actually interested. Yeah. Great. I just want to start off by what led you to be interested in type 1 diabetes research? Um, interested. I would say I'm, my, I really enjoy um, the concept of autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to understand what breaks down naturally that induces these diseases I think is like incredibly crucial for a whole range of other things that are happening. So from cancer to vaccine development and even to treat autoimmune diseases, I think it's really important to understand what's going wrong. Mm -hmm. And type one diabetes is just something that we know a lot about and yet still we don't know anything about it. It's Mm -hmm. one of those kind of uh, double-edged swords that the more you learn, the less you know. It just opens up more doors and more doors. So, yeah. Yeah. So during your time studying type 1 diabetes, what techniques that you've been using in the lab have been the easiest for you and what techniques have been really hard and challenging for you? Um, The easiest, I think, are always the basics. Um, And these are things that are like very inter... Between any lab, everyone kind of uses the basics. So cell culture and immunofluorescence and flow cytometry and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, cloning. And um, I think that once you get a good grounding in those, they can be used in any, any lab around the world. So I think that those basics are like a, a really reassuring sometimes as well that you can, you know, always pick up something and be like, I know how to do this mm-hmm. regardless of what field. So they're the, the basics are the easiest. And I think that the hardest currently is just keeping up with the technology. Um, I think even within my time as a scientist, which is even 10 plus years now, which is terrifying. Um, it's so much has changed in the technology. Like recent of recently things like single cell sequencing, we, you know, looking back, remembering like how amazing it was that we could look into and understand what was happening in bulk RNA sequencing and just like the information that came from that. And now that we can, you know, fine tune it into even at the single cell level, I just think that the information that we get is just mind boggling Mm -hmm. and it just is going to lead to so many cool new discoveries. But I think that the the hardest thing is working out how to test them and how not to get overwhelmed by all the information. And I guess taking the hard things and then putting them back into the basics to kind of really do full circle on the science is Mm -hmm. where everything needs to go. So, yeah. 
Do you have any advice for those that are facing similar challenges with the new technology that you found like have been really helpful during this time? Um, well, it's this time is a, obviously a fun time in life with COVID happening right now. So um, it's actually allowed for a lot of out of the lab work and um, research and personal development in terms of getting new skills. So constantly reading um, these, some of these techniques change on a daily basis, which is just crazy. Um, learning the basics of what is occurring in the techniques, I think is really important. So learning um, the basic scripts and the algorithms that they're using so that you can understand your input and output, I think is really important. And um, most of the, the packages have incredibly detailed online um, like websites that kind of go through what they're doing. And there's, there's always great discussion groups um, on the internet as well that are, you know, problem scientists communicating around the world, troubleshooting on some of these things. And in that sense, it's been nice to be able to dig in to the weeds and kind of, and it's always a really nice feeling when you aren't the only one who's having a problem and not being able to work it out. And you can go online and work out that, you know, it's not just you, there are other people that are struggling through trying to get this happening together. Mm -hmm. But take the time to learn. Mm -hmm. So just, I would like you to just go over like what your current work, what you're working on right now, and then what your mm -hmm. hypotheses are about this current work. Okay. Um, so currently in the lab, I am actually split between, I guess, two, two labs. So, um, one is Mike Anderson's lab, and he's an incredibly talented physician scientist that works on understanding um, the functional role of air, which is a transcriptional factor that's expressed in specialized cells in the thymus. And it plays a really crucial role in central tolerance, So, which simply put means that it, it expresses um, these peptides that are, we express in our whole entire body. And by doing this, it actually allows for the deletion of these autoreactive cells um, that get produced. So in a normal nice setting, if you recognize something like insulin, which we obviously know is incredibly important, um, this is expressed in the thymus and cells that come through in the selection process that recognize this get deleted so that they don't then cause havoc when they get into the system and recognize it and cause disease. So another little functional switch that occurs in there is that although some cells, most cells get deleted, some cells, specialized cells called regulatory T cells get selected for, and they, they're able to go into the periphery, even though they recognize insulin, their goal is to dampen down any immune responses that occur against insulin. So occasionally you might get some cells that escape this deletion process and they make their way to the pancreas and the T regs role is then to make sure that they don't, cause any trouble. Mm -hmm. um, the other lab that I work in is um, with is Jeff Bluestone's lab and he is a specialist in Tregs and understanding how to like their role and function and trying to work out how to improve them for type 1 diabetes. So it's the intersection there of being like what are these Tregs doing in this system and who who is missing when someone becomes type 1 diabetes, develops type 1 diabetes. So we know that you lose Tregs, and that's a clinical sign of type 1 diabetes, is that you do lose these functional Tregs. And my work is trying to work out whether or not we can, one, identify who's missing, and who's, who's no longer around 
that allows for these cells to, um, I guess, attack the pancreas and the islets. And then from working out who's missing, working out what those cells are actually specific against. So although insulin is incredibly important in type 1 diabetes, there are a lot of other, um, I guess, peptides that are being presented and play critical roles in the induction. So we're trying to work out like what these, who's missing, what they recognize, and then use this to inform, I guess, treatment options. So whether or not we can, you know, selectively expand Tregs against these peptides that we know are important that we've lost tolerance against and then infuse them back in um, or somehow be able to treat patients and kind of like take out those autoreactive cells is kind of like the concept here. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what are my hypotheses? Um, I think that truthfully at the end of the day, I hypothesize it's not ever going to just be one person that's going to find the cure for type 1 diabetes. I think it's incredibly important that we all work together to try and like piece together our puzzles um, and come into play. So I think that understanding who is missing is incredibly important. Um, I think that it works, you know, incredibly well with um, geneticists who do kind of like the need to work on their side as to like why the genetics of certain people are just more favorable towards type one diabetes. And are we able to, I guess, prevent those people from getting type one diabetes to, you know, if someone already has type one diabetes, are we able to halt what's happening and can we infuse Tregs to kind of get them back into a better place and, I think it's got to work in then to labs that work on beta cell function and can we replace the beta cells and the insulin, like all those cells that they're missing. And yeah. Mm. So I, yeah. (laughs) You mentioned that um, talking to other people in different disciplines is important for finding a cure for type one diabetes. So how have you seen this during COVID been impacted? Are you guys still able to communicate across these disciplines? And do you have like advice for those that are trying to communicate with others in different labs? Yeah. Um, I think that that has been really hard Um, because a lot of our conversations that would normally occur are in the lab and we are, you know, in similar shared spaces and we can, you know, walk around and talk to someone pretty easily, which is obviously a lot harder to do when we're all working from home. Um, I think that where we are, um, it's trying, they're trying to, I guess, work towards fixing this. And we have regular meetings like Zoom meetings for our labs and then, and then bigger labs. And we have um, presentations of our work um, that you can kind of like zoom into the new terminology, um, <laughs> like listening to what other people are kind of doing. And then you can reach out to them about, you know, how you think that, these things intersect with some of your research. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just keeping an open mind and sometimes it's hard and not everyone has the time to go to other talks and presentations of people's research. And you can think that it doesn't have anything to do with yours, but I think that they're really important to, to take the time and and to go and to listen Mm -hmm. Um, because it just, you know, that on that off chance that you can, you know, find that hidden piece of information that you really needed to push your stuff forward it's worth, it's worth every time that you spend doing it. So, yeah. You mentioned you have like conferences for 
um, sharing your research, does that enable you to talk to researchers like across the world about type 1 diabetes too? I think that currently it's just um, within our, our center, our diabetes center. And um, there are definitely some initiatives that are that are kind of like starting to promote and make bigger Zoom meetings to present. And I think that with everything that's currently happening, a lot of the normal ways that we would present globally through conferences are definitely shifting more to online platforms. Um, so I'm intrigued to know over the next couple of months how they all kind of work about and see how they go on these, these new styles of presentations. But mm-hmm. yeah, currently no, but I look forward to, I think that it's something that's, it's missing. Being able to talk about your research and use other people as a sounding board to what your hypotheses are and what you think is happening is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on that note, what papers are you currently reading that have, that have like helped your research? Um, um, well, I enjoy reading immensely and I don't always read type one diabetes research. I think that I, I'm, I love reading about CD8 T cells and cancer and all that, that kind of space with immunotherapy currently. And, um, but then there's always so much cool stuff that's kind of happening in our space as well. I think there was a new paper that came out that was identified some new hybrid peptides that they found in human patients um, that are being presented by a particular um, MHC. And these are peptides that we never knew were important or existed before. So I think that's really cool. And I think that space is like moving quite rapidly in terms of, you know, they're not what we think of as, just one peptide, we have a whole lot of things that can mix and match and cross those things around and cause a whole heap of trouble that we may not have fully appreciated before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously a lot of COVID stuff out there. So that's been really exciting to read because it's it's universally shown that as scientists, we've really been able to come together and focus on something that's incredibly pressing at the moment. And it's been at the... Um, I guess the loss of our own research, but kind of like for the greater good, a lot of people have spent a lot of time trying to characterize what's happening and how better to treat and I guess get us out of this bind that we're currently in, this stuck at home. Um, trying to think of what else I've been reading. I like reading all the new um, technology update papers that are people who have made these wonderful algorithms that are publishing and kind of talking about what they're doing and how it relates to previously published work. And I always think that's always really cool to read. There's mm-hmm. um, a new version of Glyph 2 that's just come out, I think the last like five weeks or so. And I've been able to implement that with some collaborators and that's just been mind-boggling mm-hmm. um, accelerations and what we were trying to do ourselves to now have this like huge data set to play around with, which has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's fascinating how you read all these different papers and like you're able to connect it to your current research, whether that be like technology. So definitely, that's super important. It's always the basics, man. It's mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't. They always a. It may respond, may like prove something in one disease type, but it could also mean that it could disprove something for yours. And that's it's always important to prove things, but it's also important to disprove other things. And I think that that's reading is a huge key to 
to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. So just going off of that, have you had yeah. any data that has been like you're saying like disprove and approve, like how has yeah. like, data been like disapproving some things and like approving others? I guess that, um, it's oh, this a lot of diabetes research is like previous like it's it's been done over a really long time span and technology is incre- has really changed in that time span as well so a lot of the assumptions that we made um we've made on the fact on the identification of like you know 10 to 20 cells that we have found and being able to look at their tcrs which are what kind of like derive what they can recognize and we've made assumptions about those and i've applied that constantly through the years and now we've got single cell sequencing and instead of looking at you know 10 tcrs we're looking and assessing 20 to 100,000 tcrs and i think that the, that wealth of knowledge sometimes proves that what we thought was super restrictive and um not um very diverse is actually disproven because when you look at the bigger numbers, you show that like they are, it is actually diverse and that maybe the, the similarities are less similar, but still have importance. So, yeah. Um, are there any of the papers that you've been reading um, important to you in terms of methods? I know you've m- mentioned like the basics. Um, are there any papers that you recall that have been super important for you for your research? Um, oh yeah, definitely. Um, to try and pick some cool ones. I think that there um, definitely have been some like seminal works that we kind of like apply on a daily basis in the lab. So um, we have some collaborators that have been publishing um, some work in how we recognize insulin and how it's actually presented in particular ways in the thymus and how, how that's actually incredibly important to the cells that are able to be selected for and deleted. And I think that um, there's always some controversy around some people's opinions. And I think it's important that, you know, regardless of the controversy, we continue to talk about it because I think continuing to talk about these things and, refining your ideas kind of leads to greater understanding of what's happening. So I think some of that stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even, um, and then stuff like um, papers with algorithms like, you know, Surat um, and things like Glyph2 that have just like exploded into science and just like, are just incredible what they've like allowed us to do and, I think that those things are that yeah I don't even think people appreciate how much they've kind of like changed changed the way that people can address questions and answer problems and those types of things so So after all this time of you studying type 1 diabetes do you think that you're going to continue studying type 1 diabetes or have a different avenue What's that? Um, no, I actually have come into this um, from a background that has been um, vaccine and skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my current focus now is definitely type 1 diabetes. And I think that it's, it's just such an incredible space that 
there is just still so much to learn and to understand about this disease. And that I think that seeing um, how many people suffer from type one diabetes and even type two diabetes, and it's just like, it's incredibly important. It costs like the government and the taxpayers and personal people like so much money every year. And it's, you, you, it's not a choice to get this disease. Like it just happens. And I think that that's like incredibly unjust and unfair. And it's, anything that I can do in that space to try and figure out what's happening and how to prevent these people from suffering, I think is incredibly important and mm-hmm. is my goal. Yeah. So. You mentioned you have a background in um, vaccines. How do you think that's helped you with your type one diabetes research? And can you see, has it impacted your work or like what have been challenging from that background um, or has it been super yeah. helpful? Um, I think that it's, it's nice to have a background and a different viewpoint a vantage point of what's happening in an immune response. And I think it means that you take into consideration other things that are happening around just manipulating Tregs. And I think that, um, in that sense, it's been incredibly important and a lot of the basics that you would test and choose a hypothesis and then test that hypothesis um, are very similar and essentially are like the opposite mm-hmm. from a CD8 T cell then to a Treg. And it's, it's, I think it's been useful. Um, it's obviously meant that I've had to learn a lot of things quite rapidly mm-hmm. um, just from having a different background. But I think that it's, I don't know, it's, I love learning new, new techniques and new methods and new ways to answer questions and, those types of things. So, yeah. That's great. Do you have any last advice that you would like to give someone with maybe similar backgrounds or someone just studying type one diabetes that you found like super helpful during your time and during your research? Um, communicate. Mm-hmm. I think that um, presenting your work, even in posters or in institute presentations and just become really comfortable talking about your work. And the more that you do that, I think that the more that you will open you and allow yourself so many more opportunities within the space to meet people who are, you know, groundbreaking scientists who, you know, may themselves view you as a groundbreaking scientist and helping each other out, I think is incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly important in this, in this time that we're in currently. And I just think, in, in the space of science and even as a female in science, helping each other out, I think is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much. Those are all the questions that I have for you. And I definitely really enjoyed our conversation and learning more about your research. So thanks so much for taking the time today. It's okay, no problem at all.